dear mother, you uprooted your life in India to grow this new one in Midwest America. You did it for us, and we didn't even exist back then. You crossed oceans just so you could keep us safe from the kitchen fire that took your mother and the infection that took your sister. You sacrificed everything so we'd never have to. You arrived and saw the opportunity to achieve the American dream and most importantly, to raise a family that could achieve dreams that were even better. You packed your life into a red brick house that had all the ingredients for fantasy, two-car garage, stainless steel appliances, a patio, and neighbors that would offer you a fake smile as you passed them on your way to work. As much as you wanted to immerse yourself in block parties, barbecue cookouts, and baseball, you couldn't. Because even though these people were your next-door neighbors, you still lived worlds away from them. But you were okay with that. No, you were more than okay with that because you had us. Us, your young children. As if we were the clay mounds waiting to be shaped by the hands of Parvathy, you thought of the endless possibilities of a future together. One filled with the memories from your childhood. Staying up late reading Amar Chitrakadas, eating the same food your mother made and your mother's mother made, speaking in our secret language that no other person could possibly understand. You would lay next to me and sleep. Dreaming about the woman I would become, one who wore long braids, had a modest tone, and could respect and love family as much as you did. But each year I grew older, I became something unexpected, something that made you fear for the life you created here. I shattered your dreams and I became your nightmare. It all started during a morning drive to my elementary school. I told you to drop me off a block away so no one would see the ohm symbol dangling from your rear view mirror. In middle school, you would come see my performances and dress yourself in the most elegant crepe saris because you felt the most beautiful in them. But I rejected your flower offering and kept my distance. In high school, boys told me their parents would never let them date girls like me and I blamed you for the color of my skin, for the thickness of my hair and my culture. I blamed you for everything. I can only imagine the heartache you felt. Your own daughter ashamed of you, and you always believed this phase would melt, but it didn't, not for years. Dear mother, I owe you an explanation for all of it. All I wanted to do was fit in, and I believed there was no room for your tradition. I would conceal the signs of my identity with makeup that was just a little too light and with clothing that was just a little too tight. I rejected you, your whole being, but dear mother, I was weaker than you. I fell slave to the ways things were in this country. I felt threatened by loneliness, but loneliness was a friend you knew all too well. You were still able to embrace your identity unapologetically. I never gave you the credit that you deserve. And all I can say is this. Dear Amma, I look to you as the epitome of resilience. I hope my daughter will withstand the pressure of being different as you have your entire life. Dear future daughter, I know you will be nothing like me. 
You will be stronger than me. You will be kind and brave. You will be unafraid to fight for what you believe and need. You will be beautiful and free. You will be nothing like your mother and everything like your grandmother. As I try to revive the life of a culture I once tried to destroy, remember this. Although your mother is a warrior, your grandmother was a warrior, and the beauty and strength of her identity hangs around my neck like a prized medal once I'm gone. The medal will be passed on to you. Just remember to polish it and wear it with pride. International um, and has been involved in human women. Ankila, it's a pleasure to have you uh, today on, on So They Should Be They Should. Thank you for having me. Now, I just wanted to explain So They Should Be They Should. Uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to connect, you know, Indians and India to the vast amount of diaspora members uh, spread all over the world. And we take up these issues and, 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 and have a conversation about them. And today I want to have a conversation about, you know, your work and and larger, broader issues of, of, of patriarchy, uh, not within India, but outside of India. That's that's kind of uh, came across and immigrated uh, with the the Indian Americans. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about this. It's a really important conversation to have. First and foremost, I'm going to be right off the bat. Uh, what you know, explaining your words, why you wrote this piece. Um, give a, give us a little bit of background about you know where you are, and uh, and and we'll start from there. Right. Um, so I wrote this piece titled Dear Mother um, about like two years ago. Um, and I think I was in this place um, that was beyond the um, kind of mental space that I was in the poem where you hear me kind of feeling that lost sense of identity. I definitely think that two years ago I was at a different place, a place where I could reflect back on that and see that kind of removed uh, perspective of who I was then and who I am now. So, um, and who I am now is a, a lot more appreciative of my culture, which you can kind of hear at the end of the poem. Um, and it was definitely a letter to my mother. I really wanted to, uh, you know, acknowledge the things that she has done for me and acknowledge that, um, you know, she has taught me so much and to make sure that she knows that I am her own her daughter who's appreciative of her culture now right. even though in the past i may have not been so welcoming to the different aspects of our tradition so i think a lot of a lot of teenagers a lot of young uh indians uh go through that same experience that you went through but obviously their their experience of realizing what they've done or kind of altering what they've done is obviously individualistic so uh, if you if you feel comfortable like what was that you know, changing point two years ago that kind of made you realize? Right. Um, unfortunately, I don't think, like, I wish it was something 
that happened by myself where it was a self-realization where I was like, wait, um, I don't need to be ashamed of who I am, how I look, how different I am for other people. Because um, I grew up um, born and brought up in St. Louis, Missouri, which is not that diverse of a place. Um, so it wasn't the moment where I realized I could accept my culture. It was when I was removed from that, when I was uh, um, coming to college in New York City away from the Midwest. Um, and that direct change, that hard change where um, it wasn't only a geographic shift, but it was also a very, very strong cultural and social shift. Um, the conversations that I was having growing up and in high school, they were very different from the conversations that I was having in college and very different who I was having these conversations with. So um, it was who I was surrounded by that really made me realize, wow, I don't need to be ashamed of my culture because culture is beautiful. Culture is something that should be appreciated. And um, celebrating those differences was something that I was taught by the people around me. Um, and I'm really thankful for that. And Who some taught people... you those differences? Oh. Um, yeah, I'm really thankful for that. And some people... Um, may, like that I know from back home haven't really found th that foothold in their um, tradition and their appreciation of their own culture because they're still stuck around the same people, stuck around the same um, social alienation, um, same um, idea of being different. Um, and I'm really thankful for the people in my life that have taught me to appreciate who I am. Sorry, I, you know, I bugged in between, but, you know, who are those people that you would say? that that have really you know impacted you and kind of made you realize it's okay to be who you are a lot of them a lot of the people that have impacted and influenced my own appreciation of myself have been a lot of women um mm -hmm. and specifically a lot of women of color whether they come from abroad um you know uh colleges in new york specifically the college that i'm at nyu they have a lot of international students mm -hmm. so those students have very very much um, influence who I am so it's um, been, and how I see myself. It's 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 been our generation. It hasn't been more so like these guiding elderly figures. It's been it's been your friends, your your circle, or you know your peers. Yes, definitely my peers. And I would say that there are some people who are a little bit older than me. Not not so much so a different generation, but a little bit older than me. Um, like my older cousins and my older brother, who have kind of. Uh, by living their own life, not necessarily saying, hey, you should love who you are, you should love your culture, you should show show who you are proudly, kind of wear it on your um, sleeve in the best way possible. They didn't say that directly to me. Mm -hmm. um, what I saw from my older cousins or even a little bit um, older friends, uh, they lived their life and they were them they were themselves unapologetically. They would to any job to any club that they were involved in to any um, outside uh, activities that they were interested in they would always bring with them maybe not even on purpose an aspect of their culture or an appreciation for their culture into those conversations into those spaces and they weren't scared to do that um, and then growing up and realizing that they were doing that uh, made me uh, think to myself, I can do that too. And mm -hmm. I should be doing that because not only does that 
make my make me more confident but it could also make other people confident and influence other people just as my cousins and older friends have influenced me right i mean listening listening to your piece i mean i think a lot of indian americans growing up in the state and especially you know in the south and the midwest and in these conservative uh spots can really relate to that and and so there there are a few aspects where you actually um describe these instances where you were embarrassed of of let's say your mother wearing a sari etc um I, I wanted to ask what stands out in your head because you know growing up in the south i have my own personal embarrassments i lived separately from my parents growing up in the states my parents were in india and seldomly they would come but i would be embarrassed because my mom would want to wear a sari and uh, sometimes when she would come to these functions um, at school I didn't want her to be there in a way. Uh, not her as in like my mother, but her wearing that Indian attire because I was okay with it when she would wear Western attire. And it wasn't mm-hmm. that I had a thing against sardis at all. I, I loved it when she wears sardis at Indian culture events or, or back home. But there being in my school, this uh, majority white school, I felt sort of alienated in a way. And I remember, you know, these instances, like the first time that I called my mother and I was really excited that she was going to wear a sari and, and she came and some of my friends were like, why does she look like a banana? Because she was wearing a yellow sari. And and that just stuck with me, right? Do you, I mean, are there any instances like that that you really like feel guilty about? Because I feel guilty about saying that to my mother um, to, to, to make sure and, and, and every time that she would, you know, be around my friends that she would wear Western attire and things of that nature. And it sucks. Yeah, um, I completely hear you. And I 100% always felt those moments. I mean, remember at the beginning, I was talking about how I was able to write this piece as a reflection Um, as I reflected back on those moments. But in those moments, I don't think I felt that guilty, which is an awful thing to say, but I just really Mm -hmm. want to be honest. Um, I think that what what should have been stronger was my appreciation for not only my mother, but like for my culture. And, you know, I should have been more um, like, that should have been a stronger feeling. But Unfortunately, the stronger feeling for me was that sense of alienation and the sense of people just staring and seeing um, my mother and then in consequence me as different. Mm -hmm. And I think that I think it all goes down to that thing that I feel like a lot of immigrant um, kids or immigrants or kids of immigrants feel when they are born and brought up in this country is the idea of being different. Um, And and it's always something that you think you have charge of oh yeah if my mom wears western attire or does not show up to um, a choir performance or a theater performance in her traditional clothing people will think of me as equal to them Mm -hmm. but looking back I don't know if that would have necessarily been true regardless even if my mother did wear western attire to a um, performance because at the end of the day we are different from each other. Um, And I think the, um, that, that kind of uh, naive sense that I had, uh, I always viewed it that being different is bad. And I think that's what the core of it is. You know, if my mom wears a sari, I will be viewed differently. And that will be bad if I was different, because we all want to fit in. Mm -hmm. Um, But looking back, 
I that guilt is there. It is there and it's very strong because uh, I think now what I do is go home and I see um, my young South Asian friends and their younger sisters and I'm like, hey, like I try to say, make sure are you standing up for yourself? Are you um, are you wearing your Indian dresses to those cultural nights? Like make sure you do that because it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Kind of really making sure that they never have to feel the same guilt that I do. Yeah. Um, kind of passing that on, but no, yeah, there's definitely that's... that that alienated feel- feeling. It's just it makes me feel guilty looking back. No, I mean, I mean that's amazing. So I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, you've been a peer at NYU, and and I've I've known that you've worked at or taken part in some of like you and women stuff, um, and I've also seen you post a lot about it. So I kind of wanted to talk about uh, something that exists, uh, and that is patriarchy within the Desi community. We, we have our uh, issues within India, but I kind of wanted to touch upon about like patriarchy within the Indian American community. What's your experience been like? And if you've worked on it, if you've assessed it, analyzed it, are there reflections about this? Yeah, um, definitely something that I have conversations about a lot is the idea of the patriarchy, um, which I feel like kind of... I know that sounds, that, that's really broad, but I mean, hopefully yeah, it's we'll... Yeah, <laughs> it's very broad, but yeah. it is, um, those conversations or those pockets of conversations definitely come up in a lot of my conversations, just because it's not only something I'm passionate about, but it's has been relevant for a while now, and it's becoming more and more relevant. But um, it is very interesting to think of um, those conversations in the context of a different culture, because we're often having these conversations in modern day, talking about um, America and how those dynamics are and how those dynamics need to change. Um, Growing up with immigrant parents and having not only American culture influence you, but also Indian culture influence you, you really do see that there is a difference between how um, the relationships between man and woman or uh, sexuality, things like that, um, are, dif- are differ from culture to culture. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up as a South Asian woman, but as, an, as also an American, I am an American, um, it was really interesting living here and growing up here and then also visiting my family in India and how the treatment of me as um, a South Asian woman in America is different from when I go home. Um, and spend time with my family. There's definitely a lot of different pressures that are built on me, um, different conversations and treatments that I saw um, of how my grandmother or my extended family would treat my older brother versus how they would treat me. But wouldn't you say that that treatment is still omnipresent in the States? Like, I understand um, this issue is obviously there in India, and we're going to explore that further. But I, I wanted to specify, like, specifically in America, like, you would assume, and, and I'm not saying directly, like, your parents, right? I would assume that uh, communities change while they move and and they mm-hmm. kind of alter. But it seems, and there have been several cases, that that kind of mentality still exists uh, in the Indian American crowd. You know, these husbands 
are uh, still going on with the same vibe that they would expect themselves to be within India. And I'm not saying it's justified in India or it's not. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that mm-hmm. um, you you know they'll uh, these families will pick up football, right? They'll start celebrating Christmas and and Thanksgiving. They'll become American. But those underlining issues that exist, and especially when it become when it when it comes to 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 sexism towards women, towards wives especially. So I'm not saying it's broader, but especially to wives, those same molds they still fit does that does that kind of make sense yeah um i completely i see what you're saying and i do agree to a certain extent um i think that you're right that um when immigrants move here um south asian immigrants move here they start assimilating into the culture a little bit more but they still hold those values and i think those values and the traditions mm-hmm. of being an indian or um even being a hindu or a sikh or um, a james whatever um, religion you might be coming from india um those are those still uh definitely persist within a family or within a community i think that um my parents honestly are no different from any immigrant that has come to America. They, we've all heard that story time and time again that you know the, the parents come to India with no money in their pockets and their hearts filled with hope, right? Mm-hmm. So that idea um, kind of uh, is how they got here. Um, and assimilating is how they stay here. But I think within the confines of a home, which is um, kind of why uh, I grew up with a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth towards my uh, culture um, at first was Mm -hmm. um, because there were those different uh, treatment of either me or my mother um, that I didn't see in other American households. And it wasn't that there wasn't um, different uh, kind of overarching patriarchal feelings in American households either. Like, I definitely think that exists, and I think that exists everywhere. But there was a different type of power um, play, um, power dynamic in play in an American household. And I think that's why, growing up, I had a rocky relationship with my parents, particularly my dad growing up. And I think that's a very common story that you hear um, uh, that Indian girls have with their parents mm-hmm. all the time. Um, it's really hard to um, not only respect and make your parents happy, but also be the person that they want you to be. Um, mm-hmm. And you're in that constant struggle, particularly being um, an Indian daughter. Um, there's even more of a expectation put on you from these Indian parents. Not only are you Indian and you should follow those values, but you're an Indian girl in America. Mm-hmm. So you need to make sure that you stay Indian and you kind of, take on those, those those responsibilities that a woman maybe would have taken on from home. But I to go a little bit further to kind of disagree with you a bit, I think that as I grew older and as I started to form an identity as an Indian woman and also as an American woman, my father particularly has become a lot more understanding to these different um, power dynamics and to these uh, different pressures that have been put on me. I think that uh, obviously at first it's very difficult to understand when that your daughter is not going to be the perfect Indian girl uh, that you imagine that he imagined when he grew up um, when he was growing up. But he definitely sees me as a powerful woman who's chasing my dream, and he's very appreciative of everything that um, I'm doing because 
even though I'm not the person he might uh, imagine me to be when we were when I was younger. Not I'm not a doctor. I'm following a completely different path. <laughs> um, right? But you're I'm following your politics. own path. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like I'm not following that route that I think a lot of Indian uh, dads want their daughters to follow. But um, as I speak my mind, as I form my identity, and as I become successful in my own ways, um, I think that's a little bit more. Uh, that's a different story that you, that we're hearing these days. It's mm-hmm. not just I need to do what my parents tell me to do. It's I want to make sure that I respect and uh, ha- respect my family and treat them with respect. But also, I want to make sure that I live my own life. Yeah, and my parents are what really you're coming doing. to terms with that. Oh, um, thank you so much for sharing, Ankita. Um, Truly appreciated that. It, you know, before we sign off, I wanted to ask your poetry. You're, you're passionate about it. I see you doing a lot of events. Uh, what's the plan with that? Do you hope to, you know, like spread, especially, you know, these, the, the cultural identity poetry that you do, and you do a lot of pieces on this. Right. Um, do you, and, and I know you perform, but is like, what what are the plans with that? I know, I know you're working, et cetera. What do you plan to do with that? Mm-hmm. I think... I never had any plans Mm -hmm. to do anything with it just as I just wanted it to be a hobby kind Mm -hmm. of wanted to be a space where I could you know put some thoughts down on paper maybe if I had an opportunity to perform I'd I'd perform it but Mm -hmm. it wasn't until um, a couple uh, events ago where I was performing in front of a group of women, um, a community of women. Mm -hmm. Um, I performed you know a kind of a a different poem but uh, an intense poem kind of uh, talking about a past experience that I had and I walked off stage and it wasn't until I saw young women of color come up to me mm-hmm. right after that poem and say, wow, that was amazing that you could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would really like to do that, but I don't think I can. And that was the moment where I was like, wow, they really saw this as not only um an amazing poem that they connected to, mm-hmm. but they saw it as an opportunity for them seeing another woman, woman of color performing that they could potentially do the same thing. And so that's, that's exactly the moment where I was like, I should do this more and I should help other people do this as well. So um, ever since um, those conversations or those people came up and talked to me, it really kind of got my gears turning in my head saying, well, I kind of want to write a poetry book now. And I kind of, not kind of, I want to write a poetry book now. Mm-hmm. And I I would like to perform a lot more um, any opportunity I get. So, Is there a space where, you know, our listeners can, can hear more of your poetry and your work at all? Yeah, I think, uh, I hate saying this shameless plug. But no, 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 I shout think, it out. <laughs> That's what we're all about. Shout it out. Yeah. But um, I definitely think in the months to come mm-hmm. when I start you know kind of having a good sense of what type of poet I want to be I know that you can be any poet you can literally write about any mm-hmm. um, any genre any experience but once I start getting a idea of what direction I want to go to I'll start posting a lot on um, Instagram and my Instagram handle is at k-i-t-a underscore k-a-n kita khan well um, we look forward to that and and yeah please, i think please, it'll be good please do keep posting because i think i think what you're doing is is phenomenal and i think a lot of other people need to hear it um 
and and this is a very selfish way but but to hear it for themselves i i think your words a lot of people can't express in the way that you're doing so and in an artistic but also pleasing way to hear and and when it vibes with you you kind of feel impacted because other people need to hear your content and your words i appreciate it all right thank you so much ankita uh, yeah thank on. you for having me and again can't wait to see and hopefully read your book in the future Next week with another episode in hopes of bringing